Before you have been victimized or exported by this prisoner, please contact customer service at 855-466. All subject matter in the preceding podcast is entirely alleged and not admissible in a court of law. A recklessly minimal effort has been taken to change the names and details of any guilty parties. And just in case you rat bastards get any ideas, the hosts of this podcast are notorious and well-documented liars with no legally admissible credibility. This is Mama C, and you're listening to Notes from the Pin Podcast. Welcome to prison, bitch. Greetings and welcome to the Prison Industrial Complex. You're listening to the Nose from the Pen podcast. This is your co-host, Cousin Greg. And with me, as always... Oh, shoot, I messed up. All right, should we do it again? Yeah. Go ahead. I didn't want to step on you. You know, sometimes I'll just uh, comment, commentate on, in the background when uh, <laughs> you know, the intro and uh, your dulcet tones. Are, uh, oh, no, I'm tempted, I'm yeah, tempted to just keep it. You said with yeah. you? And with me, as always... Yeah. My favorite convict, your favorite convict, Chino. Chino, what's up? Hey, how's it going? <laughs> We're just going straight out to the old convict name, huh? Chino, Bobby C. There's a, uh, I like, uh, I think today it's going to be Bobby C in the car. I think I feel like the Chino moniker, like his Eminem and Slim Shady. Dated myself, um, <laughs> alter ego, you know what I mean? Superman Clark. And Chino is a full on convict. Oh, Chino just took a little, made a little appearance when I was coming out here. Um, uh, for the viewers, first of all, what's up, everyone? Uh, it's good to be back. It's a nice sunny morning, and I'm um, with an old cousin Greg, and we're uh, laying one down. My, it really determines how my day is going to go. But anytime <laughs> we're uh, we're putting something in the bucket is a good thing. So I'm coming out here, and we we had talked, and I said, give me ten minutes, let me go up and fill up a cup of coffee, take a leak. You know, come back. So I, I do that, and I come back out. And as I'm opening the door to come outside to the whole unit, uh, there's a dude dragging a big old cart full of his stuff. Like he must have either rode in or moved from another place. He looks like he'd been down a minute, so he came from another unit or something. He's got all his shit there, right? Now he's, if I was to step out of the door, he's a good 15 yards ahead of me. But no one's, I see no one's there to hold the door for him. So I'm like. Oh, like I really need to get out of here, but so I go, start to walk out, and then I stop because I see there's not really anyone behind. So I take a couple steps back, catch the door, hold it open. Now it's like a thing. Now I'm, this isn't like oh, let me just push my finger. So I'm holding it open for you. To, rolls right past, as if like I work here and I'm the doorman. Doesn't say he just doesn't say anything, and I go. Oh yeah, don't worry about it. I got it and let it go and walked and as I as I walked out I heard it slam into the cart and shit. Um which it wasn't the maturest thing, but it's like, come on, asshole. Like you see I just went out of my way. not a head nod or nothing or like I appreciate you, good look. Which that's not why I'm doing it, but like, come on, we're trying to foster some semblance of community in here where we look out for you know what I mean? And he was just so nonplussed, like yeah, that's what you're doing. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, no worries. No, yeah, don't even worry about it. And then as I let it go, and then, but I, I, had to move, I was on the move. I was coming out here, and I heard it rake against the fucking car he was dragging. And shit. So, all um, is, uh, that's bad manners, though. You know, all is forgivable, forgivable, but bad manners. So. Yeah, so I was like, so that was a little convict. And as I was walking, I'm like, he, and that kind of dovetails into what we wanted to talk about today, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. Um, so we just get right into it then. Let's let's do that. Let's get right into it. I have I've got a cup of coffee here. I know you mentioned you got your coffee in you too. Beautiful day. I'm in the studio in the car. 
I'm looking at some shrubbery, a little northern New Jersey shrubbery. Got some birds floating around, and uh, ready to, I'm ready to go. Let's get it. Yeah, so we were talking. We, were, we didn't really know. We know we wanted to lay something down this morning. We didn't know what. And Cousin Greg <laughs> caught a more in-depth version of the first autograph story which, with the more intricacies. In fact, when I was talking to old Douglas a while back, you guys have heard it by now, he was uh, on one. He was he was ramping up the intoxication level, and not to say he's not brilliant then, but you know we did, it's a 15 minute one. We didn't really have time, so you were kind of interested in some of those things to do on some of that. Yep. But I didn't know, you know, should we go over? Did we go over enough? We kind of hit some of the bullet points. Anyways, we started talking about this other idea, and we figured we might save that for for later. If, yeah, if we get to it instead of your questions today. But what we what I wanted to talk about has been on my mind lately is the idea on whether, and it's a very important question, it means a lot, but do you think personality, the lens from which you view the world through, do you think that's static throughout life or do you think it changes throughout? You know what I mean? Do you think you can change not your behavior but your personality, your core personality? What do you think? That's a good question. Um... I think there are a lot of ways to answer that question, but simply, no, not really. You know, it's taken me a bit of a journey to come to that uh, conclusion. You would ask me that a while ago. I don't know what my answer would have been, but no, I don't. I don't. What, what do you think? Let's start there. Well, I think that we're kind of conditioned. I don't know, like explicitly, but I feel like growing up, I always thought that it's it's generally accepted that that can change, so that changes. But and but I don't ever remember it being like a question posed and answered. I just feel like the subtext of the American way or whatever it is, is that you can't, your personality can change. Oh, he used to be an asshole. Now he's a nice guy or whatever. <laughs> but my experience is that when I think back, and this is one of the most like interesting things and the older you get, I don't know, at least the older I got, the more like I look back on that with like a little curiosity and amazement is that the same cynical Narrative, the lens for which I view everything, the filter that it all goes through, who I am in my deepest core, was the exact. My first memories are being like from shooting from that angle. You know what I mean? Coming from that perspective, and and even when I think back about being five years old, um, my first fight in school, I still remember the same. I don't know the analogy. I'm not that great with technology. The same hardware. It feels like. You know what I mean? Was was I was working with internally, and uh, I don't think it changed. I think you can change your habits, you can change the stuff you, you're doing in your life. But I feel like a core of that kernel it always remains. And one of the one of the strongest forms of evidence for or against, which I would say is for, is is like you and ladies wear. When there's no stronger shift from lifestyle. Um, than when you're full-fledged addiction to full-fledged sobriety, right? Yeah. You you see that all the time. That I, I do. I think, uh, but for you too, for you too. You're not only not only folks in uh, recovery, um, but, uh, you know, your experience is definitely um, highlighting all that as well. But, yeah, I do see it a lot. Um, you feel like... Do you have a, do you have a first memory, like an earliest that, memory? That's funny because uh, kind of do. You know, I'm not really sure on it because it sounds stupid. Because Hazy. 
It's hazy. Well, the thing is, the, the reason it sounds stupid is because I'm going to tell you, yes, I do, but then I'm also going to say that, uh, but I'm not sure if it's my first memory. But re- regardless, my first memory is uh, I remember being five years old because I remember that specifically because I liked the number five, totally little kid stuff. I was like sitting underneath the table at camp, and I had a couple of these, uh, these tiles in my hand. They were doing some arts and crafts stuff. I'm, I don't know why I'm sitting under the table. I got these tiles. I remember thinking, like, you know, I like the texture. I was holding it, and then I remember thinking to myself, I'm five. Five's a cool number. <laughs> I, like, I like five. I'm feeling five. I like it. I like yeah. it. That's my first memory. But even in that memory, don't you feel like you didn't think, like, I am five years old now. You thought, you thought like, <laughs> how, right? Like, how <laughs> kind of, did you, didn't you have, like, your internal voice has, like, I don't want to call it an accent, but it has its own little swag, yeah. right? Like, its own little oh, personality. True. You had that. Because I remember that. I remember the first five. Did you, did you have it when you thought that? You're like, sweet. Yeah, that's, that's, the, that's blowing my mind right now. You're so right about that. Like, I'm realizing that, like, every step of the way from five on, whatever, I'm just using five because that was my first memory, the voice in your head, it just grows along with you. Like, there's never a time where you're aware of it. It like, never changes. Like, right. It's so strange. You can learn to, like, not listen to it at certain times, shut it up in others, and really rely on it at others. Like your like decision making or reliance on it can be different, but the narration—that's what it is. If you're watching a movie <laughs> and there's um, the narrator behind the whole story, that voice is never changed. He has this—it has the same inflection, the same tone, the same sarcasm, the same empathy behind yeah. all of that superficial, like sarcasm, assholey thing, cynical shit-talky, mistrust, you know what I mean? Um, The narrator of my life, that voice has been, uh, it has never changed, I mean in the least bit. I have learned more stuff. Uh, And you know what, that's an argument for the feeling of some sort of soul or whatever you want to call it, because that thing didn't, it it really feels almost separate from the personality that has developed, uh, like the external experiential personality that has developed around it, on, under, whatever, however it's related to it. But that thing Mm. feels solid. It feels like it's been there the whole time in the same frequency. You know what I mean? Wow. Yeah. I don't know about you. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm with you 100%. I'm, I'm thinking and think that's, that's got me, uh, out in the cosmos right now. That's crazy. Um, what, Yo, go ahead. No, I was going to say real quick, uh, did you ever, when you were a kid, I'm just spitballing right now, did you ever, I remember doing this as a little kid, like I would take note of my voice or of this person in my head, like me, I was trying to grapple with like me and who I am, right? Uh-huh. And I would think about myself so much, I do this on purpose because it was a very trippy feeling. I would think about myself and I would just ask myself questions and answer them with questions until I got completely bugged out. Like I'd say, who are you? And I'd be like, what is this voice? And like how you're seeing life from this one perspective and everybody else is out here doing the same thing. Like who, who are you? Like what? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'd be like who the hell? You mean you would verbalize these in your head? Like you, the, you wouldn't ponder like, I wonder who I am, but you would like almost think of the sentence, who are you? And then you would answer. You would have like a dialogue. Yeah. Like a dialogue, but I was almost trying my best to get outside of myself and look at myself and go, who the hell are you? Like, what is this? How are you? Okay. So yeah, you're just some life form. And you've got this voice, you hear it in your head, and you're seeing life mm. behind your two eyes. Mm. That's crazy, though, isn't it? Like, who, did, who the hell are when you? When did that start? Because that's meta. That's very meta. That's like you being like, 
What am I? Am I separate? Hold on. Who's asking this question? What is this voice? <laughs> yeah. That's the that's the ultimate. Listen, that's the a priori question, right? In philosophy, it means like be- you have one minute remaining. Before all else, not determined by external circumstances. A priori, the cause, the original cause. I, that's the complete. Everything stems from that. The idea that we're born as this individual entity, but but very, with our own thoughts and narration in our head and experiences physically and all that stuff, but also very connected to other people too. So it's like this weird. Mm-hmm struggle of what's what um because you're relying on your mom and you know what i mean all this other stuff but that like who am i what is going on it's like it's like when you're having a really strong psychedelic trip and you're trying to get your bearings back that's all life is it's like you're being born into this crazy physical existence and like okay what's happening how do i get my bearings we have outside programming, just like tripping, like the music can affect the mood and shit like that. We have schooling and, and all that shit that tries to steer us away. But it's really, at the end of the day, it's all, um, all. let me, okay, let me just figure this out, and then you die. <laughs> figure it out, right. or don't, and then, and then you die. Right. That's all right, it. this Blip. is uh, Thank you for using GTL. Hey. Hey. So, um. So, yeah, what kind of, like, led to all this originally, though, was, you know, me and Doug are doing the 15-minute uh, episodes on Monday, which kind of has, like, spurred, spurned along a lot of uh, – spurned, spurred along a lot of <laughs> different ideas and stuff. And every night, well, five days out of the week, I get a call-out stuff through my bars, and it's, you know, 8 by 11, and a regular size sheet of paper, typing paper with, you know, your daily itinerary. Oh, itinerary, by the way, I'm supposed to go – to Medline at 10. I'm not going. Um, and so I'll take it, and it's printed length, uh, like, sideways. If you turn it sideways, it's printed that length. You know, it's not printed like a like a regular sheet of paper top to bottom. It's printed long ways if you turn it sideways. And so I'll fold it in half long ways, so it's real long, and I'll fold it in half again into my little notepad. And I'll write jot ideas down, and I ended up saving them, because there's a bunch of cool, weird little ideas and random thoughts that I'll look at later, and I'll be like, what the hell did that mean? So, Doug was asking me about pre-prison. Like, he wanted to do an episode about pre-prison body C. And I started jotting down ideas, but they went, a lot of the, I started thinking about these really crazy things that happened randomly throughout the last couple years, and they all were like, like around me being around five years old, living in Fort Campbell, Kentucky, on a military base, and really... The emergence of that's when I that's the, my first memories of like me as your outward personality develops and like who you are to other people outside mm-hmm. of your like immediate family. You know what I mean? Um, my also the uh, you know and a lot of them are super outlandish and crazy. That would ma- that would seem on a surface seem to be an argument against. Um, personality staying the same. That look it changed because look how different you were then. But that's only if you weren't inside my head. If you were inside my head during these things, you would realize that though they seem very different, or maybe, it depends on who's listening. Some people might think, oh, it's such right in line. They were super outlandish stories, right? So it started when I wrote this piece called The Making of an Outlaw. And uh, I was five years old when I smoked my first cigarette. I think we might have talked about it on the show before. But it was a whole process. Me and my homie John Barthel stole... Um, his mom said, oh, my parents didn't smoke cigarettes, and it took a couple of days. It was like Ocean's Eleven. You know, we had to steal the cigarette and then the lighter, get two cigarettes. And um, Have you heard this story? No, no, I haven't. 
Well, once we get it, right, this is a military base, and people who haven't lived on military bases, I've lived on two, they were filled with hooligans, like hooligans, like a full Lord of the Flies type setting, because the dads aren't around. They're, like, working or overseas or, on, you know, in the field or whatever it is. So there's a bunch of moms and, and tons of kids. So at this one... Every house has this little wooden shed in the back, and there was an empty one we knew. So we'd been planning this. So me and John are walking down the streets with these cigarettes, and I got, like, one dangling out of my mouth as I'm walking. I'm a little five-year-old out of my mouth. And we're walking past a group of kids who are, <laughs> who are up by the front of the house, and they're playing. And uh, one of the kids is like, hey, what are you guys doing? And uh, I'm like, nothing. And John stops to kind of talk to him, but I walk ahead like I'm too cool, you know. So we get back there. We go to the shed in the back. I think I told the story. We go to the shed in the back, and uh, we had the cigarette stash there, and then we had the lighter. So we light up, and we don't know how to inhale. We're, like, puffing on it. But the kids that were up there ran out there to, like, watch us. Our neighbors were these two little uh, two chicks, and one was a sweetheart, one was an asshole. The asshole one ended up telling, like, they were playing with fire is what they said, though, not smoking. And my mom was like, you guys are playing with fire. And I'm like... Yeah, yeah, we were playing with fire. You're, you got us. Even though I was like, you know, we were doing much worse. We were smoking cigarettes, um, whatever that means. But that same mentality of me strutting down the street like that was the same douchey where I felt a little douchey about myself doing it, but I still was like, this is good for my image. <laughs> you know what I mean? As a five-year-old, I was like, this will get my street cred up. It's kind. Of, it's pretty cool, but I also feel like a turd because I know this is kind of douchey to show off like this, and I'm also nervous about getting in trouble. But I think I like that feeling, you know. And uh, I had a bunch of writing these things down. I realized I had a bunch of like, like really out there <laughs> experiences very early that should have been warning signs um, to my mom. Oh my god! I sound like I'm from Michigan now. For my mom. <laughs> And, uh, did you have, what were you like as a kid? Let's delve into the Cousin Greg personality. Well, as a kid, I spent a lot of time drawing Ninja Turtles. And uh, I, was a, I, uh, I was around a lot of family because uh, my dad's one out of 14, my mom's one out of seven. Jeez. Filipinos like to get, I know, Filipinos like to get busy. But my dad's family was out in California, so it's not, it's, it's not like I was, it's not as big as it sounds. But my mom's still one out of seven. Everybody, you know, has kids, so a lot of cousins. And I was pretty much around my, uh, yeah, giant family, pretty much around my family a lot. Um, you know, so by the time I got into school and had, like, uh, friends, it was a little bit later, I think. Uh, you, you know what I mean? Like, uh, but once I got into, the, once I got into my, you know, um, once I got, I mean, my first memory was at camp, being five years old, and pretty much everything was pretty ordinary, but uh, the only nagging thing I had, which was, strangely followed me throughout my adulthood. I don't know why I'm turning this into like a psychotherapy session. No, the only thing, yeah, is, uh, is, uh, you know, I just, I didn't look like everybody else. You know what I mean? And, and nobody looked like me. So, so it's like from the earliest age, whether I, I didn't really know. Except 800 cousins. Except for my 800 cousins, I know. <laughs> in school though. So it was a weird, like, you know, dual universe. Or I had, yeah. like, my, my tribe. Oh, everyone looks like me, and then all of a sudden I'm an alien. Yeah. And so I was really split with uh, two different worlds. Like, I would act a certain way with my family, like, totally, truly myself. Because we used to have a lot of inside jokes. Like, we used to say things with the Filipino accent as a joke. 
little jokes that we would we start as a ball of wax and turn into like 50 different things. Then I get to school and I would have a whole different uh, like a thing. So that was kind of a weird thing. So I don't know, man. I mean, it's one of those like uh, nurture versus uh, nature type deal. Public, kind of mer- but there's also a really hard public versus private persona. And over time, I've tried my best to get those things as clo- to me to be as close as possible. You know what I mean? Okay, let me say this. Did I cut you off? Were you about to go on? Wax no, no, no. About? Um, <laughs> when you when you found your way as one of the very few transplant to our large group of very tight knit group of friends down in Central Florida, you <laughs> seemed a little your your edges were a little smoother than ours as far as like yeah. um is that fair like as yeah, far as like uh, us being kind of like I gotta you handled it well but I, I got a vibe from you that was like. I like these guys, but they're a little nut. Like, well, you know what I mean? Like, this is a little, a little different from maybe. Oh my God, a lot. lot. Listen, a lot different. That's part of. That's one of the reasons why I love the lifestyle and I loved you guys. You guys were so different from. Okay, so meeting all you guys in Palm Bay, shout out Palm Bay, was amazing and freeing for me because it was the first time I felt like I can be whatever I want, even if that's wild, even if it's not me. I can figure all that out here, and I do have a crew of friends that love me regardless. And I love them, and uh, and and I'm totally, ex- I felt totally accepted, and uh, yeah, was- and I didn't grow up around that type of environment. You guys were <laughs> wild, you know, just like uh, punk rock fights, parties, all that. I mean, it own was, set it was, of rules, own set of rules. It was just the most, uh, it was the most seductive thing. I, I loved it, uh, and I always, I'll always have love for for everybody in Palm Bay and, and for Palm Bay for those those reasons. Like people, I think people overuse the term like a group full of misfits, but really not misfits in the sense that we we weren't like we were nerds or anything like that. It was more that we just we kind of just flouted the flouted like the, the 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 socially acceptable things. Period. We had our own little bullshit that we that we would compete with socially and, and shit within our within our own group, but like outwardly. We didn't really. It was very freewheeling. Um, yeah. And very in line now that I left Florida and people went mm-hmm. it all the time, I realized that that's a, a... To be a group of standouts um, in Floridians in Florida, now I'm realizing is probably why our life was so ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> we had crackheads stripping down in the, the only basement in Florida in Bird World, yeah. which is really a yeah. seller, um, yeah. and all that craziness. But... For for me, like, listen, so let me just run through the list. So remember I was telling you about the call-out being like a little notepad. So I got mm-hmm. it, and last night I'm looking for something to take notes on, and then I find this, and they're highlighted in yellow. <clears throat> and um, and then I realized later, like, oh, this is the thing for Doug when he, I was going to tell him, like, early Bobby C. Okay, I'm just going to read it as it is. First SIG, okay. and then there's also highlight, highlighted should have known. I think that's for, like, my mom should have known. Okay, hyperventilating in class. That was me at five years old, realizing if you did, if you hyperventilated <laughs> like that, you would get super yeah. lightheaded and feel fucked up. And uh, the teacher was like, "Hey, are you okay?" And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, I'm fine." <laughs> like, I'm the kid that like is spinning around too much because he likes being dizzy, but not hyper, but just somehow I like that altered state, which is. Okay, so that's the first one under the first cigarette, the second one. The third one is pulled Swiss Army knife. 
Um, the fourth one is phone threats. And then the fifth one is uh, diddled by card. Now, that's not politically correct, but this is just the way the, the notes are taken. The pull to sw- this one was lost in my memory, too. And uh, it's pretty ridiculous. But it's a good, like, way to show. Like, very early on, I did things that, now that I'm thinking about it, were me trying to form a public persona a little bit, I guess, that were kind of counterintuitive to maybe my natural tendencies, but some of them, I guess, the mischievous part and stuff. And and now that you bring up the looking different thing, that might have had a big deal with it because I couldn't go anywhere immediately. But my first interactions with outside people were about me being um, different looking. Which mm-hmm. my first best friend was Tommy Green. He was mixed. He was black and white, and we were together so much that people thought we were brothers somehow, like adopted or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, I think he felt like that too a little bit. Which is now that I'm thinking, thinking back, probably why we linked up. He was cool as hell. And uh, so the so listen to this. So the Swiss Army knife. I got you know the bigger Swiss Army knives that have like forty different things and they're fat and bulky and kind of heavy. Yeah. Um, they got scissors. They're the ones with the toothpick in it and the tweezers on the side. Okay. They got the sure. saw blade, the regular one. But even the regular knife isn't sh- pointy. It's like rounded a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I had one of those, and it was olive green. And uh, this is all, I'm telling you, it's a, a combination of my mom be letting me watch whatever movie I wanted, and it also being the, the decade the 80s where there was like every movie had tits in it even like little comedy weird ones and and horror everything had titties in it and had some sort of crude um humor or violence right and i was uh, watching horror films a lot when i was younger but also action movies like lethal weapon and all that shit rambo and so i got this uh this rather innocuous um bulky green swiss army knife and uh i was like thinking like from watching the 80s heroes movies, like, yeah, like, I need to be a hero. The problem is there's not really a villain, right? So I'm walking home from school one day. On the other side, on the sidewalk across the street, um, there's a a dude, he's a little bit bigger. I think he was in the grade ahead of me, like, kind of, like, making fun of this girl a little bit. And she's walking the opposite way, and he's walking the direction I'm walking, but he's a little ahead of me. And I'm looking over, and I'm seeing, seeing, seeing him, like, fuck with her a little bit, and I go, uh... Now's your chance, bud. Chance for what? <laughs> I'm a fucking idiot. I don't know. <laughs> so I'm really creating a problem when there's not one. So I cross the street and catch her like she's about to pass me now. I'm on her side of the sidewalk. And I go, hey, was he bothering you? What a tool I am. She's like, uh, I get, yeah, I guess, but not. You know what I mean? It wasn't, it wasn't worth what's about to happen. Now he's walking the other. You have one minute remaining. I got to like speed walk up to him. Right? Okay. What a dumb little bitch. And so I fucking, like, yeah, and he, like, turns, like, sees me behind him, and he, like, turns around, like, hey, turns around to stop. And as we say in here, I up mag. Like, I, I whip the fucking thing out, pull the little one little blade out. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, uh, actually, I pulled it out. I didn't pull the blade out yet. I was like, hey, you messing with that girl back there? And he's like, what? I get it. And he doesn't even really respond. And I pull the blade out and go, if you ever do that again, there's going to be a problem. <laughs> and, then, and then he's like, all right. He's like twice my side. He's like, uh, okay. And he sees the knife and kind of like backs off into the road. And then uh-huh. I just eyeball him as I walk past him. And then I'm like walking backwards so I can still look at him. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, uh, 
What? <laughs> but in my head, I, I had the, like, very soon after that, I was like, you're a tool. What was that about? <laughs> what was that about? I you love know? the line. Uh, you had the Bruce Willis diehard-esque. Uh, thank you for using GTL. <laughs> Douche. Do you know what the term douche chill is? You heard of it? I have, yeah, douche chill, yeah. Okay, everyone knows what that is. I did a lot of douche chill moments throughout my life. Some, a lot of them very fucking early. Now, the cigarette, the cigarette's explained by like outward appearance, like trying to like look cool or whatever, right? But also mischievous and like, hey, what's these adults doing type shit? And you know, the hyperventilating yeah. is, hey, I like I'm. That was a warning sign for chasing a buzz. buzz. The Swiss Army knife, outward persona. The phone threats is the most disturbing, and I completely forgot all about it. But as soon as I remembered it, it was like the most vivid fucking memory ever. And that's a little less explainable in a super... If Okay, so if my mom had known about the cigarettes, the knife... The hyperventilating class, getting diddled, and then this last one. Yeah, she would have been right to be like, "Hey, we need to get this kid some serious help." But in my defense, well, I don't know if there's a defense for any of it. <laughs> just say, in my defense, I wasn't on any real bullshit. I was just like a, a wayward kid who was like mischievous, and some bad stuff had happened, but. I was never, like, super malicious or, you know what I mean, yeah. or anything. I wasn't a sociopath. I had tons of feelings, not too many. Uh, um, but uh, I don't even know if I want to get into the phone threats one. You heard a little <laughs> cursory. I, I, know a little, I know a little bit about the phone threat one. It's funny. What? And, but you know what? Uh, kids do, uh, especially young boys, we do stuff like that. Okay, like how much of it, do we have the time for, should the rest of the show be a disclaimer for this last one? <laughs> I, uh, I so mean, look, why, it's working all. Why? I, I think so. Okay, so for whatever reason, reason, do it whatever you want. Yeah. Like I said, I blame the 80s movies a lot. I also, around this time, in order to get attention, I'd watch Children of the Corn. My mom was there. She wasn't. She was like in and out of watching it. And then I believe there's a scene where a girl, one, well, some kid in the church is like drawing with crayons and draws like the scary shit. And like, someone sees it, the mom or whatever, who'd moved to the town, like, what is this? They're like, oh, they live out in the thing. And then there's dead bot. So I was like, oh, I can draw that. So like, as the movie's going on or afterwards, I draw with crayons like a murder scene. <laughs> it's like. For like a kid with like a butcher knife and like dead bodies and like corn and crows and like super, super dark shit. But I'd seen the girl do it. So I was like, Ooh, I can, I can do that. And I showed my mom and she was, had the appropriate reaction. She's like, why'd you draw this? I don't, I don't like this type of stuff. And I was so ashamed, like so devastated. Like that's why I remember it so much. Cause I was like, instant like heaviness embarrassment in my chest like mm -hmm. i don't i thought it was going to be kind of cool because i mimicked something that was on a movie and i it looked like it also i guess it shouldn't have been as impressive because it was a five-year-old that drew it on the movie too so yeah. um God, that probably isn't the best setup for what i'm about to tell you either but i was watching a lot of horror films, so I, was just a, I don't know so i realized at an early age that if you went, we had two phones. One was in the kitchen on the wall, and uh, one was like out uh, in the living room by a table. If okay. you picture, my mom doesn't know about this only. When when 
I realized when you picked it up and you pressed zero a bunch, for, but I don't know if it's still like that, but an operator will come on. And uh, it was always a woman, so I don't know if just women have that job or there was only one woman there. I think it was different women. Uh, but it didn't matter who it was. It was a guy or whatever. So I would call, push zero, and then I realized that there was this, like, anonymity, you know, to it, to where, I like, no one knew who I was on the other end. Sure. Um, which, of course, yeah, there's no way an operator knows who, what number's calling them, right? So I would push zero a bunch, and I'd, like, I'd, like, cuss, like, ah, fuck you, or whatever, right? And then it evolved into, I would call, and I got this from a horror film, too. I would call, and then the lady would pick up, and I'd, I'd whisper, I'd go, I'm gonna fucking kill you, bitch. And then, and then hang the phone up. <laughs> As a five-year-old, imagine what a five-year-old sounds like doing that, right? And then uh, I'd go back to doing whatever, like a true psychopath. Yeah, and uh, I'd be like bored. <laughs> I'd be like bored, and then I'd be like, and I'd go and sit there away and be like, I'm gonna set your house on fire. And then hang up, right? I think I felt some sort of, like a real idiot. I had to realize that during all this chaotic shit real early, and there was nothing like that for a good stretch of time, was when I got diddled. Um, was like that time. So I think it had something to do. I don't know. I'm trying to figure out why I did it. I think it was like I felt some sort of power um, from being able oh, yeah. to. I don't know. And so one day I do it. I'm uh, playing like uh, I had these wrestling action figures and shit. I think that's what I was playing with, or GI Joes or something. And I just am like, eh, this is boring. Let me go do my fucking rounds, right? And I wouldn't do it every day. I think there was a couple of weeks where I did it like every other day or something. So I went over there and pressed zero a bunch. <laughs> she and the lady fix up, and I say something like, "Your entire family's gonna die." <laughs> And then hang the phone up, and I go right. I remember this. Go right back to playing with GI Joes, or I think I was playing with wrestling dolls. Like, uh, like I had this little ring, and I'm like, yeah, off the top rope. I'm like, go right back to it. Well, like two minutes later, just as Hulk Hogan's about to beat the shit out of Andre the Giant, really put him away. I the phone rings, and I'm like, someone get that. Ah, boom. Oh, who's gonna one two? Phone rings again. Hey, lady, you're gonna get that? I'm thinking this is my head. Third ring. Eh, I run over and I pick it up. Full kid voice. Hello? <laughs> so, the lady, she goes, I just hear a voice go, You keep playing on the phone like this. I'm gonna call and talk to your mom. Uh, Shit myself. Pure, unadulterated uh, panic. Like, oh my God, how the tables have turned. Touche, lady. Terrified, like if this, if mom ever finds out about, first of all, I'll deny everything, but also like never, like it scared the shit. And I'm like, oh, okay, sorry, and hung up, and that was the end of that. And and it was such a short little brief period that I completely forgot about it. And going through remembering all these things, I was like, when that memory came up, I couldn't stop laughing, but it was also like, yeah. oh, remember the time when you spent a couple weeks verbally threatening <laughs> threatening operators like, a, like some sort of serial killer and uh so yeah i uh 
I don't know where that sits with personality being static or not, but there is definitely some, uh, I don't know. Help me out here. Cause I'm yeah. now like I'm, I'm about to go silent and just stare at the wall. Like what's <laughs> happening to me? Back yeah. Then? No, I not, look, nothing I think, like that uh, for you. No, definitely. There have been, there, there have been things like that for sure. Um, I, uh, had two, uh, or have two older cousins. I got loads of trouble with all the time. Just one and about two years older than me. So we're a little crew, three amigos. We've gone to loads of trouble. We had something like that happen. I mean, we weren't threatening a lady, but we were fucking harassing her with just dumb dick jokes. We were little kids and she ended up calling back a million times, a million times. But we were bugging out because we didn't want my uncle to answer the phone. So we kept picking it up and she would not yeah. stop. She, yeah, all that. But, what was she oh, but I think. Well, she she just blacked out. So, because we kept calling her, and her name I'll never forget it. Her name was Mrs. McKay. So we would get this stupid little voice, and one of the calls it's not it was not until one of the calls was hello, Mrs. McKay. This is your neighbor from around the way. <laughs> you hear what I said? Dumb shit like that. And she kept calling back, and she's like, if you don't much more me, innocent. Much more innocent, sure. sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but I think it's interesting because I think uh, if everybody, you know. If people are honest with themselves and they kind of like review certain things that stick out to them from their childhood and life, everybody, you know, everyone's trying to put the pieces together. So I think it's a totally natural thing to do to kind of scrape up all one these of, little dust mites. One of the things I tell anybody but the 23-year-old is that I'm a lot to handle, right, as far as like if you want to find a reason not to like me on paper, you for sure, you could find for provided so many. That's why people don't like me now from my past. I'm like, yeah, I was an asshole. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and I, you know, I called one of my homies, Nick G, like, we started to reconnect before I got locked up, and uh, he was, like, really good friends. We were really good friends in high, like, before you came around in yeah. high school, all throughout school, and uh, I was like, he's like, he might be a sociopath. He was super funny. He was, His joke was uh, um, Tim Shelley and him would go at it. Good, good luck deleting all the, or blanking out all these names. But he, his thing would, uh, he'd get naked at weird times, right? And, uh, so like you, we, me and Kevin would be driving in his car and you would hear like a snickering in the back and Kevin would look in there. I remember he looked in the rear and he's like, come on. He'd turn around, he's naked in the back seat, right? Like his big thing was to get completely naked and then you turn around and you're like, how are you all the way, right? So one time we were at the movie theater and, uh, he's, he's like, uh, kind of into movie theater and he's like, he goes to the bathroom and comes back and sits behind us. And he's just watching. And then you hear him giggling. He's naked in the movie theater. Oh, yeah. my God. Anyways, I called him, and I was like, hey, man, I was an asshole when we were younger. I was kind of insensitive about stuff. And now that I'm older, I realize. And I was insecure in moments. And sometimes I, and he was like, shut up, you little pussy. None of that matters. Everything's fine. And I was like, all right, well, but, you know, I still feel like he made me feel good because he's like, what are you talking about? We were all dicks. It's fine. But uh, I was uh, trying to... Uh, clean some of that, some of that, some of those messes yeah. up. But uh, I told, like, one of the things about me, I guess, what I'm trying to say is, it's all out there, right? You're never going to. I'm ne- You don't have to worry about uncovering something about me where there's like this nefarious, fucked up plot, or I'm, a, you know, stealing from you behind your back, or you know, any weird yeah. shit. I'm just a. Uh, you know, it's the whole premise of the show, warts and all. Like my, the hard, the the bad thing about me is my shit's all out there. It's easy to see, um, yeah. and that's also the good thing about me, I guess. You can get past that that there's not like some 
my demons have all been exposed, <laughs> you know what I mean, to the light of day. And, uh, well, let me, let me ask you this. Does it feel, I wanted to ask you, uh, does it feel, uh, do you feel more free because of that? Is that, is that a more, because it sounds like if, if, if all your cards are on the table, how does that feel? I mean, does that, does that feel good? I think it's, uh, cause I'm, I wasn't always like that, right? Like when I was younger, mm-hmm. I, you know, keep tons of stuff secret. I didn't tell my mom that I got molested or, you know, um, but I don't know. It's kind of tough. Like, I think you feel super vulnerable, like, but th- right. th- I also want to foster. I, one of the things I like about people like Stan Hope and, and really out there stand up comics is that they'll say shit to that I would have to work the courage up to say, but they'll say it in front of a giant audience on a special forever, mm-hmm. right? So it's always out there. And when someone has the, the balls to do that, it, 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 it inspires me too and, and almost as a way to go hey can we all just admit we're like we don't know what's going on or we're fucked up and we've all done stupid shit and that you know we can change and I don't mean like the filter the personality the I mean who we are and how we treat other people can change and like can we all just stop judging each other and just admit like we're fucked up flawed people but if our intentions yeah. are good then we can all kind of like grow from the, you know what I mean not to be some yeah. sort of to make this some hippy dippy shit but it, it, that's really how I feel like I want to, um, like, with me and um, Blaze asking people, you ever try to suck your own dick? It's like a way to first engage if someone's willing to be honest and self-deprecating, but also to go, like, yeah, we all do really dark, fucked-up shit that's embarrassing. Mm-hmm. But if we all know that we all do it, it makes us feel, it gets rid of a, the, the self-destructive power of those things, like keeping them inside. You know what I mean? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, every, uh, <clears throat> every, every, uh, Every male individual has tried to do that. Listeners, I know you all know that, but for the female audience, everyone has. Right? Why wouldn't you try to? Or, well, there's one sensitive says he's net, and this is the only one Blaze will accept and not really make fun of him. Um, is he goes, no, I just never tried because... You have one minute remaining. I know there's no way I could get down there. Like, it's too much of a stretch. Mm. No pun intended. So, but it's but that means he's leaned forward and felt he's his tighten up and go nah. He's tried. That's, that's an, to me, that's an attempt. That is an attempt to say that you attempt. know you couldn't is at least a mental attempt. <laughs> <laughs> you mentally attempted to suck your dick and you knew you yeah. fell short. You know it. Right. So, I don't know if I could. Uh, I don't know if I could trust somebody who's, who's who's never made the attempt because I can't connect with you. I don't, we're fundamentally different. Well, one of his bros from his fraternity was like, what? You're disgusting. No, never. And then he's just seen how outraged the swarthy one got. He's like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Shot them. You know what I mean? Um, what do you think about... Um, you You personally have told me something unsolicited that really blew my fucking wig back. And you don't know this, but really inspired me to be more brutally honest about stuff. And we're not... Thank you for using GTL. Anyways, yeah, so uh, I don't know where that got cut off. But, yeah, you, you once shared something with me when we first started reconnecting that uh, that really blew my mind and made me go, damn, hell yeah. Hell yeah, like it made me be competitive, you know, in, a, in the healthiest way. Like, damn, bro, just like, you know what I mean? We won't get, yeah. I don't want to get to it on here. But, and you, man, man, I was so inspired by you and, like, humbled by just in awe of you really like looked up to you like in that moment like damn bro stop that life 
<laughs> you know what I mean? As far as like, yeah. just keep it, like life's fucked up and shit happens, man. And you know, sometimes we, you know, whatever. So, uh, man, I never got the chance to even bring that back up again, and, but I, I love you forever for that. Well, I, I love, I love you too, man. And, and no, but I, I uh, distinctly remember feeling the love, uh, from you, uh, when I told you that, because, uh, I mean, it kind of came, we were, it was, it was in the beginning of when, uh, earlier stages of when we were reconnecting and just kind of filling in, you know, the blanks with one another. And, uh, you know, it's a area of my life where, where stuff was, you know, bad stuff was happening. And, um, I remember, and I've told that, uh, with a, with a number of people, but program related, you know, to try to help them open up. And no matter how many times I tell it, it always feels good to have the other person positively reciprocate. And it's different when it's somebody in the program because there's a purpose for it and you're trying to help somebody. But when you're, you know, it's just your, it's your friend, your brother, you know, you're, you're, uh, even though I'm cool with it, I have peace with it. Um, you, you, you know, you're being so supportive and, and like, like you said, like in awe was like massively supportive for me. So I appreciated that big time. Yeah, no doubt. All right. So, uh, before this gets too long, let's get through a, a viewer question and then uh, okay. get the fuck on. All right. Uh, as I'm pulling it up, I can let you know that our listener question is from a regular viewer, Ashley Bell. A.B. A.B. I love Ashley Bell. Ashley Bell's a nut in the best of ways. I believe Ashley Bell's one of, like, maybe three people ever outside of Mama C. And she hasn't even, who's read, like, every single piece I've ever put out there. Which I got a new one coming out, and it's, it's pretty good. It's, a, uh, it's about a three, I think it's like a 3,000-word piece. It's uh, about the prison intercom and the perpetual anxiety that, um, and fear that is instilled by the chirp of prison intercom and what that experience is like and stuff. So that should be out soon. Um, yeah, so she'll have something on All right. Screen. Look forward to that. That sounds good. So, Ashley Bell, here's your question. Are there many people that are nice to new fish that aren't looking for anything in return? Is there any way to tell the difference, in parentheses, as a newbie or as a professional convict? So, close parentheses. So, um, so recently there's been tons of new people here, and I actually wrote that down as a note to let um, Doug know, like to talk about, was mm -hmm. being generous with a caveat, right? And that is because you don't want to come off as a creep. First of all, yeah, I, when new people come, I even think talking about it right now is taking away some of the power. Oh, they closed yard. But, um, but yeah, I actively uh, try to uh, hook people up when they first ride in to get, you know, some blessings from the universe, earn my blessings. People do that, and it's hard to tell the difference. Usually another inmate will come up and be like, yeah, uh, watch out for that guy or, mm -hmm. or whatever. And so... Uh, yeah, there's not a real definitive way to tell the difference, but someone will usually warn you. And it is weird, like, hooking someone up, and you can tell they're a fish. And if they've been to prison before, they kind of know that this happens and all the stories aren't true. But uh, the new guys, they all get a look in their face, you know. I'm like, here, you want some coffee, bro? And so uh, I have to kind of let them know, like, hey, nothing weird's going on. It's just uh, paying it forward type shit. Right. Um, so look, I'm gonna get chased off the yard because okay. I heard him call that shit. I heard There's it too. People here, so I think it's very apropos to say uh, thanks for tuning in. Visit us on. We're trying to really build back up uh, 
the Twitter presence because the captain was the one where everyone met and, and asked questions and left comments and all that stuff. So uh, if there's a note from the pen on Twitter, leave that. I'll make sure a couple people have access to it, including us and Greg, and can respond. Um, Instagram, you know the website. And, uh, yeah, leave a comment. Give us a, a rating, zero stars, whatever you want to do on uh iTunes or Spotify or any of that stuff. So, on behalf of Cousin Greg, who I gave the most thorough ear beating to, uh, love you, bud. We love you too, man. Be gone. Hi, everybody. Mama C here. For the complete library, full episodes, and bonus content, and mainly to support this cause, visit Notes from the Pen on Patreon. To learn more about Bobby and prison reform, visit our website, notesfromthepen.com. And follow us on Twitter to stay current. This has been another Notes from the Pen production.